1: Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci & Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources is deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci & Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and & Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Capitucci says
2: Don't invest and forget. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money. Meet your financial goals and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Vitucci of Vitucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management, with special emphasis on retirement planning.
3: Even as inflation continues to soar and have a dilatorious impact on the economy, we still continue to see some encouraging numbers, albeit not in every sector. Welcome once again to another edition of Don't Invest and Forget the program that faithfully each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, thirty-plus-year financial manager, author, and the principal of Vitucci and Associates, Pat Vitucci, along with our own "Don't Invest and Forget" man on the street, Charlie Cohan. Well, Pat, after seemingly a decade worth of stellar numbers on Wall Street, throw a dart at just about anything and watch it rise. We're beginning to see more volatility come into the market. Certainly, beginning with the advent of COVID and now greater degrees of fluctuation in the markets, all of this being driven largely by the war in Ukraine, economics related to inflation, supply chain interruptions, things of this sort. It makes for a very complicated analysis of the markets today, which perhaps has some casual investors. I'm talking about the folks that are largely preparing for maybe a child's education, buying that new home, or certainly retirement makes attempting to try to analyze what's going on here, and most importantly, how they can be ahead of the curve, very challenging.
4: Yeah, these are definitely
3: challenging times. And uh, lots of headwinds in our
4: face here. We've got the war in Ukraine. We've got supply chain issues. We've got serious inflation numbers. Elections are literally around the corner in November. Hopefully, COVID's getting in our rearview mirror So, we still have that hanging on. There's some incidences in certain regions of the country where the numbers are starting to creep up a little bit. So, lots of things that are spooking the market. Earnings season is off to a pretty reasonable start. The Dow Jones still hovering in the 34,000, 35,000 range. Talk about resilience. It's been interesting to watch. And in any given day, the Dow or the NASDAQ's up or down a couple 300 almost on a regular basis, it almost looks like kind of a bipolar market where it doesn't know which way to go and the market sentiment continues to be all over the place. And then you sprinkle in an Elon Musk that says, Hey, I'm I'm gonna buy Twitter for oh forty three billion dollars and you know when you're worth almost three hundred billion, is he just saber rattling or is is it real? And Elon Musk has made that perfectly clear He's not happy with the management. He declined to join the board, I guess, assuming he would have uh, little to no influence on the board. So what the heck, I'll buy the whole darn company. And so this whole Section 230 language that kind of governs the ability to communicate is um, one of the basic underlying tenets of that whole issue. So we've got ridiculous inflation numbers announced this week. The producer price index, 11.2%, highest ever recorded. Consumer price index, 7.5%. This is the biggest challenge economically. We're getting into really bad numbers. Federal Reserve has got a lot of work to do. The question is, how often, how frequently, to what degree are they going to raise interest rates to try and rein in this inflation number. It is ugly. And of course, historically, high inflation numbers suggest you should be more in the stock market because in theory, stock prices keeps up with inflation. You would think kind of the opposite and folks get more conservative when things get out of hand, which further exacerbates their ability to keep up with inflation
3: Madness. A lot of that, Pat, is part of that sort of disconnect that we're seeing here. We've talked about it before, the disconnect between Main Street and Wall Street. And even, you know, you talk about inflation, the 30-year fixed rate now is just a skosh above 5% on an average nationally. And yet, even with interest rates heading in that direction when it comes to refis and first-time home buyers, it hasn't had a dampening effect on housing prices here in the Bay Area. And it's not unusual for people to continue to see offers coming in that are $150,000, $200,000 or more over asking price. Again, a lot of this I think is what leads to this confusion for investors because there's so many degrees in which we see disconnects.
4: Yeah. The real estate market has a mind of its own and it's almost now people are trying to get into a house before things get ugly. I think the the Bay Area is unique in that regard. You'll you'll never see that in Kansas or Mississippi. It's just it doesn't have that culture. But given the Silicon Valley sector and it's commensurately very high paid folks with share prices and and a lot of the um, employees participating in buying shares of the company or getting grants from the companies that they work for. You don't see that kind of corporate participation in other industries. But in order to attract and retain these high-tech brainiacs, to their credit, I'm not making fun. They're, They're smart. They've got to offer them stock options and grants and loans to buy homes and free lunches and free dry cleaning services and washing your car. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. Of course, they want you to sleep in your cubicle so that you could get more work done. And the ability to motivate these young folks, amazing. And so we've got this unique culture in the Bay Area, not seen in too many other parts of the world. The result is home prices are off the charts. Of course, inventory is very, very low. I mean, sometimes there's no homes for sale. You know, there's 300 realtors in one town, and there's like four listings. Talk about an imbalance and so if you own a home, you're kind of blessed with rapid rise in your values of your home. So interesting, I had a meeting yesterday with a client. He says, Pat, I, my house went from $3 million in value last year to $4.2 million. I don't have any loan on it. Should I get the equity out? What do I do with it? I said, at your age, I would leave the equity alone. If you're going to borrow, you're assuming that Whatever you invest in is going to beat the cost of the mortgage. You're assuming whatever you invest in is going to beat that. Nobody on the planet is going to guarantee that. In fact, what if you lose money? So you're now paying 4 or 5% interest on the mortgage, and you've lost money or you break even. So now you're net, net, net out of pocket. So there's that theory among some financial folks Take the equity out of your house and invest it. And maybe if you're 30 years old or 40 years old, maybe that's not a bad idea. But if you're in your 70s, cash flow becomes more important. Probably not a great idea to take the equity in your home. And if you sell your home, you've got a big capital gain exposure, right? You paid you know $500,000 for the house 25 years ago, and now it's worth $4.2 million, even with deductions for marriage and capital gain will spank you hard so lots of issues to consider if you're thinking of selling your home
3: be mindful of all the consequences Of course the complication adds to the confusion because we're looking at not only making sure you're investing wisely based on your timeline toward retirement, your appetite for risk, then you have to consider, in some circumstances, tax implications, if it's not a sheltered investment like an IRA or a 401k. And then added to that, this component of inflation, which as Pat points out, is anybody's guess how long and how deep this will continue. And Pat, I guess at the end of the day, that really means that it needs to be a group approach. And by that, I mean sitting down with not only a licensed, experienced, financial advisor, along with maybe your CPA to discuss the tax implications, and maybe even to a broader degree, your attorney for the long-term planning for what happens after you're gone, really adds into these layers that everybody needs to be considering as they're planning for retirement. Yeah, it's definitely a team effort. Estate
4: planning attorneys, we have CPAs that we confer with, we have debt people, we look at cost of loans, etc., it is a team effort that requires everybody's input. There's no one answer for any, any issue, depending on your tax bracket, your age. What are you going to do with the money? What's the utility of the money? What's the implications for your, for your state? What about exposure to capital gains, taxes? Lots of moving parts that needs uh, careful study. Please let me emphasize that tax and legal professionals are not a part of Vituchin and Associates staff, but we refer to professionals versed in those disciplines.
3: To take advantage of that complimentary financial health and retirement plan review that Pat spoke of just a moment ago, why not call toll free triple eight Plan Wise? That's eight eight eight. P L A N W I S E. To get more information or to schedule your complimentary appointment, don't invest and My special hey, guest today is Dan say, Vito. Dan senior vice
4: president of the
3: go. old age
4: wave. In he also developing innovative financial tools and also provides keynotes on the changing nature of retirement and its impact on boomers. Dan, welcome to the
5: show. I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you.
4: Dan, the good news is we're living longer. The bad news is we're living longer. And longevity is certainly an issue when it comes to financial kinds of things that, frankly, worries a lot of people. Are we going to have enough money to live on?
5: Well, I think that's right. And that's the right thought for people to have. You know, as retirement change, it does create this um, more volatile outcome, if you will. As we have the potential to live longer, that creates exciting opportunities for all of us as individuals. But it's incumbent upon us, therefore, to do a very good job planning for retirement, because for those that prepare, retirement will be wonderful, better than their parents' retirement. For those that don't, it will become, in fact, quite daunting.
4: We talked off air, and I think you said something I'd like to talk to our listening audience about. When we have a pain in our body, let's say we have a bad knee, we go to the doctor, we get it figured out, and the doctor prescribes something, and we hopefully most times feel better. We have financial issues. There's no pain in your knee or pain in your ear, But there is something going on that needs attention, and frankly, we don't have the sensitivity to understand that.
5: Yeah, I think you're right, Pat. When I speak with people, I always recommend that just like going to a doctor and getting a checkup once a year or so, you ought to visit with someone, and you ought to visit with someone who is a trained professional in the area. The danger, as you correctly point out, is that if you have an issue with your financial situation, you don't want to let it go too long. Uh, because then when it really becomes obvious to you, oftentimes, you know, its it, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's much more difficult to recover.
4: The one thing that we do as part of our full financial plan services, Dan, as you well know, is we create a kind of a pro forma budget. A lot of listeners are entering the stage where they are about to take the leap and retire. Pretty scary moment in time. And what we do is prepare that pro forma budget. What will your income stream look like? What will your budget look like? And it's that financial empowerment that really we need to understand. That's a pretty anxious time in people's lives.
5: Sometimes I refer to it as the transition from being paycheck dependent to becoming portfolio dependent. And that is an enormous shift if you are prepared And if you've worked with someone who's really set you up correctly, it doesn't need to be a time in your life of great worry and concern. But if you are just kind of leaving things a chance and figuring it out on your own, well, maybe you've done a good job, but perhaps not. And I have certainly been in conversations with countless numbers of people who, unfortunately, retirement doesn't turn out to be this wonderful life stage and deliver the potential that it could be because they're so worried. And worry is one of the things that can rob people of the great potential that retirement holds for all of us
4: what I found interesting the last couple of years is the financial services industry is really reacting pretty positively and pretty strongly to this longevity issue that we 're talking about today. the whole creation of new investment products that have the sustainability and the design that last us our entire life i mean this is this is a whole new dimension, a whole new array of uh, products
5: you're exactly right and um I think the financial services industry is making great strides. By the way, I would also comment as a student of this that I think we're probably somewhere in the top of the second inning. I think we will continue to see product innovation each and every year. And by the way, that's also why it's important to stay on top of this. And so if, as an individual, you don't have the time or the inclination to be on top of it all the time, that's why it can make sense to work with someone who that is their primary profession, their full-time job.
4: Yeah, I guess the further challenge is a lot of boomer kids are kind of sandwiched between taking care of mom and dad, and maybe not only from a time element point of view, maybe from a financial point of view, and also have children. I think Ken Dykwald, in his many books, has said that most boomers are taking care of more parents than they are children. They have one or two or three or four parents, and maybe only one or two children. And so that presents a whole nother challenge, doesn't it?
5: Sure does. You know, people think that they've been saving and that somehow that money is... Um, safe and it's strictly for their retirement. And what they sometimes forget is there can be shocks to the plan, right? So what happens if dad becomes in a capacity that, you know, we're just unable to care for him and we need to, you know, provide him some sort of professional help. Well, that doesn't come cheaply. And so people need to take a very holistic approach and sense for what this money is for and what it could be used for and protect themselves against taking their retirement plan, their well-laid retirement plans and taking them far astray.
4: From a time management point of view, I mean we've seen where one of the spouses has to quit his or her job to take care of mom or dad uh, in lieu of paying seven or eight nine thousand dollars a month for care either in a home or in home service
5: yeah, that's exactly right. I and mean, a lot of people choose to provide the care themselves, thinking that it's not as much out of pocket. Of course, if you're not working there, there is a financial impact and there are lots of clever approaches to uh, taking care of these expenses. Because what you don't want to have, and I've I've seen this happen too, and it's a great tragedy, where let's say uh, my uh, mother or father, who has taken literally a lifetime to cultivate a certain sort of reputation, if you will, and relationship with her children, ends up requiring so much care that the tragedy could be that the children end up resenting them in the last years of their life. And what a terrible destruction of a potentially very positive legacy. And so we think it's worth taking the time and effort to really think this issue through. It's not pleasant. We certainly recognize that, but it's worth thinking it through because it has, you know, long lasting impacts. It's that
4: whole dynamic of the family that most of us don't just want to, you know, send mom or dad to home unless certainly if there's medical needs and uh, diminishment, then certainly that needs to be done. But it's all those interim middle of the road kinds of issues where mom and dad are still capable, but maybe not capable of living alone. And so it really does challenge not only the financial Pockets, but the balance of our time that we spend and the um, level of commitment without ignoring your other responsibilities, right?
5: That's exactly right.
4: Working with Ken Dykewald as you have, Ken is a longstanding writer of this whole age wave, and you certainly have had a lot of experience in that area as well. What are some of the chief things that you've seen change over the years as you've studied this age wave?
5: As we uh, study this, one thing we know for certain, and that is that retirement is changing. And as this group of individuals, right, this generation we collectively refer to as the boomers and a retirement, you know, it causes us to think, well, this is going to be the healthiest, wealthiest, best educated group to ever enter retirement. And by the way, they have the longest life expectancy ever. And so to think that they're going to live retirement as generations did before them is really quite naive. So that has implications, right? It has uh, implications for our society, for our social structures. It has implications for uh, our government benefit programs, for our employer benefit programs. And finally it has implications for the individual. And what we always recommend is as people get closer to retirement, they should think about their retirement plan. And when I ask someone what their retirement plan is, most often they jump to, oh, well, let me tell you about my IRA or my 401k. And I say, well, that's great, but that's not your retirement plan. That's how you're going to fund your retirement plan. And so what we often point out is, Don't just take care of the financial piece of it. Think about what you're going to do. If you have another 25 years of life, this next chapter, what's going to kind of motivate you to get up in the morning? And by the way, when you do that, you'll become more excited about retirement and therefore probably more willing and able to find the savings and investments that you need to make that dream come alive.
4: My special guest today is Dan Vito. I've asked Dan to stay on for a second segment. Dan is the Senior Vice President of AgeWave, where he's responsible for developing innovative financial tools and also provides keynotes on the changing nature of retirement and its impact on boomers. Dan, both you and Ken Dykwald have talked about this revisioning retirement. Talk to our listeners about what do you mean by revisioning retirement? What's wrong with our dad's retirement, Dan?
5: (laughs) Well, you know, uh, in fact, there may be nothing wrong with it if if that type of lifestyle appeals to you. However, it's unlikely you're going to be able to have that type of retirement just because of the changing nature of our benefits, uh, our expected longevity and and really where uh, as we sense, you know, people's interests uh, lie with respect to retirement. So, we undertook some work to really try to get underneath retirement because prior to this work, people had the inclination to toss people into one of two categories. You were either pre-retired or retired. And if you were retired, essentially all retirees look the same. And so what we said is, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. We know that's not true. Why don't we dig underneath the covers here and see if there are different retirement experiences? And lo and behold, what we found is that in fact, there were different segments of retirees and we discovered four of them. What we found is there were four distinct categories and that, um, virtually everyone fits into one of these four categories.
4: The first one you call ageless explorers. Talk to us about ageless explorers.
5: Well, ageless explorers are a fantastic group. They are very engaging. They make up 27% of the population. And they're the kind of people who don't look at retirement as a time to take the foot off the gas pedal and just coast along. They are as busy as ever. Now, they're busy on things, perhaps, other than full-time employment to make a living. They may be volunteering. They are, in many cases, working. Interestingly enough, when you ask these people when do you think they're go- you're going to get old, the typical response is never. These are folks that are living life to the fullest and enjoying what is the greatest gift of retirement. Greatest gift of retirement is I have control over how I want to spend my time.
4: The time clock.
5: That's right. We've got control
4: of the clock. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Do we all want to be ageless explorers?
5: Not everyone wants to be. And, you know, there's no judgment being passed here. There are just four different groups. Another group that a lot of people find quite appealing, we refer to as the comfortably contents. This makes up 19% of the population. Comfortably contents are appreciating the gift of time, but it's a time for me, if you will, right? I like to spend time reading the classics that I never had a chance to read because I was raising three kids and taking care of mom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I like to spend time in the garden. Would you like to go volunteer at the hospital? No. What in the heck would I want to do that for, right? (laughs) They really enjoy just spending time for themselves. Mm -hmm. They look at it as a time of reward. They deserve it, and they're entitled to it.
4: I'm feeling depressed about what's coming. Your third group is
5: called Live for Today's. That's right. Live for Today's. Um, they make up 22% of the population. By the way, they're wonderful people too. I mean, they're, they're kind of fun people. As the name implies, they live for today and pretty much lived for today most of their life. While that has been a wonderful experience, they are haunted by an extreme, sometimes subconscious, but certainly their sense of worry because deep down they know they're not in you know good straits right now. So um, they're anxious. They're very anxious. As that level of Worry and anxiousness increases. They become less able to truly live for today.
4: Regret they should have done more.
5: Absolutely. They kind of recognize, gee, I sh- probably should have done a few things a little bit earlier and mitigated some of this. But you know, when you're in retirement, it's uh, it's tougher to recover. It's better to take care of things before you cross that threshold than try to recover when you're in retirement.
4: Some of these folks may be working part-time jobs to make ends meet.
5: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Some of them are, and the great difference, of course, is that the Aegis explorers. They're working because they want to. They're engaged by the work. The money is not a big issue. That's right. It's not the primary motivator. People who are working in, say, the live for todays they're working because they have to. And there's a whole different sense of work when you approach it that way.
4: When you wake up in the morning and you're doing it for money, it feels different than doing it because you're adding value and you're contributing or there's a social aspect to your job.
5: You're exactly right. Yeah.
4: The last one is the title doesn't sound all that exciting. And some people obviously don't select this, maybe through bad health, call it sick and tired.
5: That's right, Pat. The last group is a sick and tired group. And unfortunately, we found is it's the largest group. 32% of the population find themselves in the sick and tired group. Many of them, in fact, are suffering from health-related issues. But even beyond that, those that aren't, it's an attitude. And they have effectively given up on life. They are highly disengaged, either with family, community, work, volunteering, and they are basically waiting to die. You know, it basically amounts to a retirement nightmare. We'd like to say that through efforts like this um, and the work that you and, and other, you know, competent professionals can do with folks, that you can actually steer people away from that group. See, people don't actually pick a group per se, people are on a track towards one of these four groups well before they hit retirement. You know, if you're not taking care of your house and, you know, your financial situation, you're more likely to end up in one of the last two categories than if you are. than If, you are.
4: if you're a 40-something living today and you find yourself, can people change it?
5: Absolutely. You're never, ever too late to improve your outlook, right? You can be uh, on the cusp of retirement, but there's still time to improve how things are going to go for you.
4: It's a decision you make when you wake up in the morning, isn't it?
5: It is. People in retirement are healthier and actually live longer if they have a reason to get up in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. So coming back to this notion that retirement plan is more than just the financial piece of it. If you have a long life ahead of you, what's going to be your daily motivation? Uh, The average retiree today watches 43 and a half hours of TV. That is quite frankly, you know, uh, I believe personally a terrible misuse of talent. When you're retired, you have the wisdom that only comes with experience, right? And wouldn't it be wonderful to redeploy some of that knowledge and experience into something that you're excited about where you can really make a difference?
4: Dan, yeah, I had a listener come in uh, just about a week ago. I go through my normal questioning and getting to know the client. And I talked about, when will you be retiring? And the fellow's answer is 12 years, four months, and looked at his watch and said <laughs> 17, 17 hours. And I thought, my gosh, this guy hates his job. I said to him, I said, you know what? doesn't sound like you like your job. Why don't you consider something else? And he kind of looked at his spouse, and she poked him, and she said, you see, I told him the same thing. <laughs> you only go around once, and, and that's the kind of person, potentially, that will go into retirement, having this vision that retirement is something this, you know, walk on mountaintops and sailing on the ocean, and it just doesn't happen that way because you embed bad attitude for 50 years. You don't wake up 50 years in one day and suddenly have a bright outlook, right?
5: You're exactly right. And I'm not saying this is your the client that you were speaking with, but, you know, I've met folks who are the most curmudgeonly of people in the world. I mean, the, the person you hate sitting next to on the plane, right? Because That's they right. all they have is just negative attitudes coming out. But when you ask about retirement, oh, all of a sudden, one day pop, the whole world's going to change and life's yeah. going to be wonderful. I mean, people yeah. truly believe that. Yeah. But as you point out, that's just unfortunately not reality.
4: You program your body to thinking that way for 50 years. It doesn't change. And they tend to be the bitter, grumpy retiree that we've seen. Grumpy old men uh, movie is kind of the uh, classic, right?
5: Yeah, you're exactly right. Now, it is interesting. I will share with you that some people who are grumpy generally – do experience a short period of, I won't call it euphoria, but almost euphoria, right? So finally, I've left that job that I hate, and for a short period of time, unfortunately, it's almost always less than a year, they are excited to do the things that they want to do, but pretty quickly it catches up to them, and they fall into their old habits.
4: They get back into the rhythm of what they were comfortable being a cranky person, Right, right. Dan, I appreciate all the good work you and Ken are doing. If there's any questions for Dan Vito, Dan Vito again works with Ken Dykewald. They're doing a lot of good work on study of aging and I've read a lot of your material. So again, congratulations for doing a really nice job. Any listeners have any questions for Dan or myself or you'd like to capitalize on that no obligation consultation where we not only talk about financial things, but we talk about what are those other things you're going to do in life? I mean, money is one issue, but what are you going to do with that 24 hours a day? And so we'd be glad to chat with you, come into one of our offices for that no obligation consultation. Call one triple eight Plan Wise. That's one eight 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 P L A N W I S E. Ian Vito, thank you so much for joining me today.
5: Pat, it's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you.
3: So, Pat, as we talk about many of the retirement mistakes that people make, let's talk about the one that probably ties in closest to concerns over market volatility and this notion that because I don't get a good night's sleep, I want to eschew everything that says Wall Street.
4: Yeah, and unfortunately, that's probably a really classic, terrible mistake. And, you know, especially when we go through corrections, it... It kind of corroborates, gosh, I better stay out of the stock market. And it really confirms their thinking. But as logical as that sounds, it is a giant mistake. When you look at any 10-year rolling period, markets are up something like 99.2%. So the stock market is a scary place when it drops and, oh my gosh, I've lost money. Classic reaction is sell, sell, sell. And that CD is certainly a whole lot more comfortable place getting 0.0 nothing percent. Meanwhile, inflation is three or four or 5%. So avoiding stocks, the bottom line is a giant mistake. And I know people listening are saying, I don't care what you say, but I'm staying out of the stock market. Understand your appetite for risk and stick to it. I'm not suggesting all your money should be in the stock market, but some percentage should be in the stock market. Failure to take some level of risk even if you're retired, it is an error that you will learn to regret. We're living longer. Keeping up with the madness is important. Think of 20, 30 years ago, what you paid for bread, milk, real estate taxes, the purchase of a car. What's it going to be like 10, 20, 30 years from now? And if you're not riding the roller coaster, it is a scary notion and you can't afford to live in the lifestyle you've grown accustomed. Again, it, be very careful to take some level of exposure to that crazy world called Wall Street because it's critically important. You don't have to buy the latest .com that may go under, or you don't need to be in Vietnam where the governments are not as stable. Pick good stocks that perennially do well in good markets and bad markets, and there's a whole lot of defensive selections you can pick. Yeah, they'll go up or down a little bit, We still need to use their products in recessions, depressions, or wonderful economies. Again, any questions on what kinds of stocks to buy, look at expense ratios, but avoiding stocks is probably one of those classic retirement mistakes that people make. The other one, I guess, is a big political football that we see uh, politicians love to talk about is health care. Certainly with the Affordable Care Act, it has been anything less than affordable. Premiums have gone up. We'll see how this all ends. The parties continue to dispute how logical it is to have this kind of program versus a different different kind of program. So again, it's, it's another plank in the platform of politicians. Medical expenses are real, and you've got to pay for those with after-tax dollars. We used to always say you need 70% of your income when you retire Now it's more like 75 to 78% to really accommodate that high medical premium. There's the whole Medigap. What's not covered between Medicare and maybe if you have a supplementary coverage plan with another independent private insurance company. So again, when you're factoring in your pro forma budget for retirement, how does that healthcare premium integrate with your retirement money? So we have to see how all that pencils out again, we can look at that and create pro forma budgets for all of our future retirees. That's probably the biggest question we get when we get a call from a listener is what, how do I calculate my retirement income and what does the healthcare premium do to degrade the, what really is net, net, net left over after that. Speaking of retirement, what is your number? What's the real classic chunk of money you need What's that critical mass number that you will need to retire on? It's different for all of us. Mr. Rosenberg wrote a book called The Number. Not a very exciting book to read, but it's a couple hundred pages of how to arrive at what your number is and calculating a reasonable interest rate assumption, return, performance number on that chunk of money. Again, that's a really critical exercise to understand. What is the collection of your 401Ks, IRAs, 403Bs, your rental income, your social security, if you have a pension, what does all that equate to? How does that reflect in terms of, of your ability to live in a lifestyle you've grown a Or do you have to sell the big house and move 100 miles away to some lower cost area, which is okay. But understanding what the trade-offs are, we think is really important before you pull the plug on that salary check coming in, not knowing and guessing at what your income is going to be and what your budget's going to be is something that you don't want to be surprised. So you want to have a real good conservative view of what your income is going to be based on what your critical mass number is and have some wild guess of how long you're going to live. Again, you can't base it on how long mom or dad lived or relatives. It's something you've got to look at 20 or 30 years as a, as a reasonable retirement time frame. Paying off debt before you, uh, before you retire, always a good idea. Maybe the only exception I would consider is a mortgage debt. If you have a a big income, even in retirement, understanding what your debt load is, but certainly things like car loans and RV loans and boat loans, not tax deductible. Generally, those things don't appreciate, they depreciate. So paying those off, certainly a good idea to keep your debt load low. And then deciding on, should you have a mortgage? Should you not have a mortgage? That's something that we can help you with. Because it's all about what is your net, net, net. I mean, if if you're paying three and a half percent or four percent interest and you have a high income, maybe your net after you deduct that interest on your ten forty tax return, maybe the four becomes two and a half or three. And if your home is appreciating three or four or five percent a year, maybe it makes sense arithmetically to keep that to mortgage. So a lot of things to consider looking at should you pay off that mortgage debt. So I think all other debt is certainly highly encouraged to shed before you uh, retire. How about child's education or grandchild's education? What obligations have you made? What responsibilities do you have to your children or grandchildren's education? Can your children afford to put your grandchildren Mm. to that private school or to college? Maybe you feel inclined to to, uh, contribute towards that. Those are all kind of moral obligations that uh, maybe you've made some promises to your grandchildren when they were younger. And now grandma and grandpa will probably want to come through with those promises and, and support those ideas. It's always a question of priorities when you're building your family and do you save for retirement or do you save for a child's education? How do you divide that dollar up into a variety of those areas? Certainly you want to contribute, in my view, maximum to retirement and anything left over goes into a child's 529 education plan. You could always make loans out or apply for grants or scholarships for a child's education. When you retire, you cannot take a loan out to retire on. I haven't heard of that one, but uh, maybe that's a new invention. I don't think so. So you can't borrow to retire on, but you can borrow for a child's education. The old adage, when the stewardess comes on in the airplane, they always say, in case of emergency, put your mask on first and your child's on second. Why? Because if you don't put yours on first and you pass out, your child has no chance of uh, survival. It's kind of the same analogy when you're saving. In retirement, your children are going to be very busy and with their own obligations, and they generally can't support mom and dad when mom and dad decide to retire if mom and dad have not prepared carefully. So, again, put your mask on first, put your dollar in your retirement first, and then any supplement of dollars goes to child
3: education. And, of course, getting there safely is uh, one of the other important considerations to take a look at. And maybe, as Pat has suggested, you've got multiple irons in the fire, and at the end of the day, you're just kind of hoping hoping that the numbers that you're seeing reflect reality, hoping that you're interpreting them properly, and that once you are able to cross that finish line, the kind of assets you hope you have will actually be there to carry you through retirement. If you've got some questions, maybe you want to take advantage of a second opinion. There's never any cost or obligation, and yours can be had in any of the Bay Area offices of Vitucci and Associates. To schedule that complimentary second opinion, that portfolio review, simply call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888 A N W I S E. Even easier still, you can schedule that appointment online. Go to dontinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. In addition to a bevy of all kinds of wonderful retirement planning resources, you can also easily schedule your complimentary portfolio review online. don'tinvestandforget.com.
2: You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Vettucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the area offices of Attucci and Associates near you, go to com. That's com. Or call toll-free, 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888 plan Or visit com.
1: Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci & Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci & Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vituccian Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated